Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Slaughter Podcast will be discussing topics that some listeners may find disturbing. If you're still listening, at least put your headphones in. Okay, the story I'm going to do this week, I'm really excited about because one of my guilty pleasure TV shows is Catfish. I love Catfish. This centers around two boys. They were both teenagers and they're going to be referred to as John and Mark um, as they were referred to in all media coverage at the time. Their names as still as yet. I haven't been able to find their real names released. Not that would go digging too much, to be honest. Because I think if you fuck up when you're 14, you should be allowed to forget about it. Mm. Depends how bad you fuck up. Well, we'll let you judge when I've told you the story. Okay. So, the 29th of June in 2003. So, very early, not very early internet days, but in terms of, like, kids going on for social media... It was in the beginning stages. It was like your MSN. So when you used to say ASL, meaning in age, sex, location. Yeah. Like we have you just no, throw it out there. There's no anyone. time for us to have actual sentence words. Yeah. We were like, we know that you are an absolute random, so... ASL, and I will decide if I want to have a conversation with you. Exactly. So yeah, 29th June 2003, it was in Altrincham, which is near Manchester. A 14-year-old John was stabbed in an alleyway behind some shops. And he had a stab wound to the stomach, which could have proved fatal if his best friend, 16-year-old Mark, hadn't called the emergency services. Now, the police arrived really quickly, and Mark said that there was a crazed knife man had come down the alleyway, stabbed his friend twice for no reason, and just run off. Now, we know there's no such thing as no reason. I'm I'm sure I've said this before. Anytime a child says, oh, so-and-so kicked me, my first question will be, and what did you do? Yeah. And that should be every parent's first question if they complain about another child. And what did you do? Because people do not attack you for no reason. Yeah. Not children in the playground, anyway. They probably called them a fat head or something along those lines. Stinky bum! But the only no reason there is, is a reason, is mental health, surely. Yeah. um, And that is a reason in itself. Yeah. But he said there was no, he couldn't see of any provocation, any motive for why he'd done it. This man had just stabbed him. So there was CCTV, not in the alleyway, but around the area that entered the alleyway. And it showed the boys going into this area. But for the whole time that the stabbing happened and the police arriving, nobody else either entered or left this area. They put out appeals, but no one had witnessed a man matching the description of the man given by Mark in the area that day. He said he was a tall guy, 
you know, black clothes, baseball cap, that sort of thing. Generic description could be anyone. Yeah. What is it? Have you heard of the? Did we talk about it before? The shaggy male. No. Um. It's like it wasn't me. Yeah. It's it's that guy. There's like a a description that people give if they're trying to pin it on someone else, but it always tends to be quite a similar description. So go for a big, it's tall someone man. tall with sort of unkempt hair, quite thin, and it's it's. It's just the generic, this is what the murderer looked like because it, I don't want to get myself in trouble type thing. So police obviously knew there's more to this story than Mark had told them, but it would take a couple of months before they could unravel this and get the, to the whole picture. So Mark was a seemingly ordinary teenager. He was from a respectable family. He did sort of all right in school. Like he never excelled, but he was just okay. He went to Man City matches with his dad and, like many teenagers in the 2000s, he spent hours every day chatting online. I mean, that would be the thing. You'd come home from school, I want to speak immediately to the people that I've just said goodbye to. And the thing where you would... I would always do type something to someone and then be like, oops, wrong convo. Because you just wanted them to notice you. It wasn't the wrong convo. It was never the wrong convo. And I'm sh- not that dumb. But it, gone are those days where someone is either online or offline. We're always online now. Yeah. Sometimes I want to be offline. Yeah. So Mark would particularly go into chat rooms rather than Messenger. And they were creepy. It was six months prior to the stabbing. He joined a chat room that was specifically for teenagers in the Manchester area, like a teen talk chat room, um, which on the face of it, you could, I was like, you could see this two ways. Either, you know, this is really good. It's a safe space for just teens to talk, like, or it's a massive pedo trap. Yeah, that's where all the pedos are going to go. Exactly. Like, here we are. And that's so, just like the children talking in Manchester one. <laughs> So he started using it to make friends, but he became more and more obsessed and this became detrimental to his real life. He started doing even worse in school, eventually would start skipping school. John, he was also described as being an ordinary teen. He was polite, he was intelligent and he seemed to do quite well at school all the time, just easily. He was only 14 but his father left when he was a baby and he'd grown up thinking that his stepdad was his real dad, which... Is cute, but... Which is nice because you think, oh, lovely. You grew up with a dad who, loved, I assume, loved him and, you know, you felt safe, you felt secure, but deception. I think finding that out, finding out the deception can be very traumatic for some people. I, I went out with a guy and his brother found out that his dad that he thought was his real dad had adopted him and his dad was someone else and he was around 30 when he found out and he flipped out he was really upset because he was thinking my whole life's a lie I might have a medical history I don't know about I've had kids now Mm. they've got you know they don't know their real granddad he's really upset so I think yeah you think it shouldn't be a big deal but there's a documentary that channel 4 did about this case and it actually interviews both the defence lawyers of both boys. And John's defence lawyer sort of implied that he felt that this event was traumatic and it made John withdraw and he became a little bit of a loner. Almost within his own house, became quite isolated from this point on. 
So John also then found escapism through the internet and within chat rooms. He would go online when he got home from school and he'd be online all through the night, like sometimes not sleeping. He'd even stopped eating when he'd come home. He'd just take his food up to his room and then completely absorbed in it. Nothing could distract him. So this chat room is particularly alluring for teenage boys because it was full of teenage girls supposedly when we were this age we would have been these kids now oh yeah and we we sort of assumed that people weren't who they said they were but we were definitely a lot more trusting but i people sometimes i i mean i had some horrible conversations i'd be like giving online. out my phone number be like yeah give me a ring i spoke to older men on chat rooms yeah. and they'd say you know 22 and i'd be like 13 and be like, oh god but i wouldn't end the conversation and they'd be trying to get me to talk about sex stuff and i'd just be like oh that's a bit creepy oh i'm a bit young for that blah 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 but i wouldn't just be like no thanks bye yeah i did yeah i definitely don't think that at the time i was just think i would oh it's online it's safe people are saying that their guy's a weirdo but i felt safe behind the screen yeah. like i don't think we had these sort of stories then we felt like strangers are outside yeah so these teenage girls Possibly weren't teenage girls. But the topics in the chat room were skewed mostly towards masturbation and sex. So, young lads at home. Teenagers in a a room. It's going to happen. With no adults in there. That's what they're going to be talking about. So, Mark in particular, he was interested in using the chat room to chat to girls. And one girl caught his eye when he saw pictures that she posted in particular. She was called Rachel. She was 16 years old too and said that she worked in a gym. Which is code for, I've got a hot body. She then introduced Mark to John, and the three of them were like firm friends. Then Mark and Rachel started having an online relationship. Now, red flag number one on Catfish is always get them to, you know, chat with you via webcam. She claimed she didn't have one. Which is more believable then than now. More believable then. Because you had to go out and buy a webcam. So they did arrange to meet up quite a few times, but there was always an excuse from one or the other at the last minute why they couldn't actually meet. But they still got deeper and deeper, and Mark got to the point where he was saying that he loved her, and they were properly together. So now three months before the stabbing, a user logged into the chat room called Kevin, and several things were a bit off about Kevin. So the first thing was that he only wrote in pink font. As did I. But his reason for that was, he said, I'm only going to write in pink because I'm gay. I was like, no, child, that makes you a Playboy bunny. That doesn't make you a gay person. But that's what he said. But maybe a young boy exploring. He then went on to explain to everyone that he had a foot fetish, which, can we all just get over the foot fetish now? Like, it's fine. It's so normal to me now not that i've got one but like there's so many people that have it it's practically pedestrian but it is like if someone's gonna ask me for a picture over the internet do you want my tits vagina or feet you're getting the feet yeah done all day long so those two things are sort of fine on their own pink font and a foot fetish yeah being gay having a foot fetish both fine but it seemed as though kevin was trying to just put things out there so he said he was gay everyone was like "Mm, okay not bothered goes with the foot fetish People are like, mm, okay, not really bothered. So then he comes out with that he's a stalker. And he's trying to convince him. And they were sort of 
not really sure. He's like, no, I'm genuinely, I'm a real stalker. I'm probably. I mean, if you're an online stalker, so the fuck is everyone. If you're a real stalker, don't that's tell people. Up. Yeah, shouldn't it be a, bit a good more, one. Yeah, I'm saying, shouldn't it be a bit more clandestine than that? <laughs> and yeah, and how are you? I'm following you. <laughs> Because the group were quite sceptical about Kevin, he then amped it up. He emailed Mark to say that he had kidnapped his girlfriend, Rachel. Oh, God. Which actually is quite impressive, considering she's pretty hard to get hold of. She can't even meet her own boyfriend. (laughs) How's he found her? Yeah. She doesn't leave the house, apparently. She hasn't even got a webcam. But it got really dark, because Kevin said that he had hold of her, and he said that his plan was to rape and to kill Rachel. Oh, God. This kid... And he said to him that, however, he would release Rachel if Mark would go on the webcam and show him his feet. <laughs> okay, like, done. Exactly. I'm like, can you just... People, Cost benefit here. Is... People are willing to show their feet. Like, if you'd have just asked... Can I see your feet? Yeah, right. I'm, yeah. If you'd have said first, look, will you show me your feet or I'll kidnap your girlfriend, he could have saved himself a lot of effort because everyone's like, yeah, of course you can see my feet. It's literally not a problem. Yeah. Like, they're out most of the day. But he said, can you show my feet and can you masturbate on the webcam? Which now we constantly tell the children, you know, if something happens online that you are uncomfortable with, that you don't show me, you must, must, must tell people. Because the only way that they have power is you not telling people and that they have you. We show the kids a video that's um, a girl and there's a guy blackmailing her and he's getting her to like leave a USB in a bush with nude photos on, which is a little bit old-fashioned. I think it's quite an old video because you can just WhatsApp that across nowadays. But they're they're trying to push the fact that on most websites or WhatsApp or Facebook, you can report stuff. Just report it straight away. Report it. What can they do then? The situation will be dealt with. And if it's not, I mean, that's not even telling your family. Yeah. But Mark at the time just felt like he had no options. So he obviously felt compelled to agree to go through with it. So he did. And Rachel was released. Again, this information is just told... This is all happening through the chat room. He's told via the internet his girlfriend's been kidnapped and he's going to get raped. He's then told via the chat room she's released. Like, it's Mm. all happening in this world online. You can see why they're sucked in. So when she was released, he arranged to meet up with her. But she didn't show up and then started to ghost him. So she just disappeared, didn't, lost contact. It then came out in the chat room later that Kevin said, actually, I did rape her and I did kill her. You would imagine that Mark was absolutely distraught. Yeah, I got it. But he still didn't call the police or tell his parents that he thought a girl had been murdered. He instead turned to his chat room friend, John... And the boys grew closer. They had now had this shared experience and they relied on each other more and more. Kevin then just disappeared. And Rachel, he sort of put her in the past. So we can make way for the next significant character to come into the chat room. This was 44 years old, but still sexy. Estate agent and spy for the British Secret Service, Janet Dobinson. Now, my initial thoughts from this was, how easy is it to be a spy that you can be a spy and hold down a full-time job as an estate agent? Yeah. One of those, she's phoning it in. Yeah. 
She said that she was the third most powerful woman in Britain. Who's one and two? Number one's the Queen. Number two, we're not allowed to say. Well, she doesn't say. If you're the third most powerful in Britain, fuck off am I wasting my time as an estate agent in the day. I'll have an office in MI6, thank you. And also, messaging 14-year-olds on the internet. Well, that's important. She needed to recruit him as an agent. Oh, there's got to be better ways. She needed a fourteen, a 16-year-old boy as an agent for a very specific job. I mean, she's the third most powerful woman in Britain. Send a car, pick him up. Well, he swore an oath in the chat room. And the secure chat room. And he started to prepare for his initiation in London. The induction... I mean, it's easy to... I, I, don't, I want to strike a balance because it, it seems incredulous to us now but like I say like now we've heard lots of sort of catfish stories we are constantly telling children the dangers we're constantly we've got the see up report buttons on everything but at the time we just it was especially the social media side was still very much emerging and parents didn't quite know the extent of what was happening don't think I would have believed someone was a spy I think Mark was particularly gullible. I yeah. think this was like sort of a, an aligning of the stars. Yeah. In that he and was, if he was definitely the right... Exactly. He, he will be hearing about it. Yeah, he was the right person at the right time for yeah. this to happen. Or the wrong person at the right time. Before his induction to the Secret Service, he had to prove his worth with a job. Is it masturbating on camera again? Luckily, no. He had to be the bodyguard for... A person named James Bell. Now, James Bell was the focus of Janet's operation for years. He was an extremely important person to the country. Ding, ding, ding. He's the one who's catfishing. He was also a 14-year-old schoolboy. Yeah. And he was Mark's internet best friend, John. But Mark didn't know this. So he was instructed that he would have to go to James Bell's school... And try and take him out of school for a supposed dentist appointment, and then keep him with him for the day so well, that so he, he would be safe. To be his dad. So he'd met John, who didn't know it was John. He thought this was James Bell, super important person. Schoolboy just happens to live in Altrincham, and they continued to be online for hours and end. He would talk to John about sex all the time. He would talk to Janet about issues of national importance, and you can see why schoolwork became you know mm. boring like when i go home i'm a fucking secret agent yeah he believed that james bell was one of two people the other one being the queen who was able to access a safe that was held at the bottom of the atlantic ocean and inside this was you know vast vast amounts of money it was only a few countries knew about it and that's why james bell needed protecting because for the security of the safe, he was one of the only two people that knew how to get in. Mark, as it's is, just so ludicrous. I know. I mean, Mark is definitely described, and because again, in the Channel 4 documentary, where his defence lawyer says that yes, he is definitely more gullible than like, most. Yeah, the kid's stupid, but but then that doesn't make him a bad person. Yeah. But he was convinced by Janet. If he did have any doubts, Janet seemed to know everything about him. She said, you know, I'm a spy. I've got spies watching you. And she could tell him where he'd been that day, what he'd been doing, who he'd been with. He'd just and been that, telling John five minutes before. And that was oh my convincing. God. So six weeks now before the stabbing, 
Janet was now working as an air stewardess because <laughs> that's another time easy... Of the day. That's the worst job to do as an undercover agent because when you're in the sky, you can't do anything. She's not even receiving phone calls at that point. No. But anyway, that's what Janet was up to. And she had new orders from then Prime Minister Tony Blair. She couldn't tell him why, but it was extremely important that James Bell appeared to be gay. Very important for national security that James Bell appeared to be gay. So Mark's mission was to give him a blowjob. That had to happen. It had to happen. It's ridiculous. It had He's got to suck him off. Oh, my goodness. My problem with this is, yeah, stage a photograph. If he's got to appear to be gay to everyone, stage a photograph of the blowjob even. If it's got to be a blowjob, like, take a photo and say, but to give him a blowjob in his bedroom behind closed doors when no one's watching isn't only going to prove it to you. Yeah. No, it wasn't even going to prove it. Just blowjob it out. But he did it. He went through with it because of his duty to Britain and because Janet had said, I'll get sacked if you don't. And he didn't... But, I mean, Mark, bless him, he didn't... He felt that weighing on his conscience. He felt that weight of the world on him. All of this almost became unravelled when John's mum became suspicious about how much time off school he was having. So she went and snooped through his computer. She found enough to alarm her. She didn't find everything, but she was worried about the fact that he was talking to these people online and the sort of conversations they were having. And she obviously found out that most of his conversations were centred around Mark. So she went to Mark's mum. She did what the best that she yeah. could there. And both mums gave the boys a very serious chat about stranger danger, basically, and talking to people online that they don't know. You've got, you can't trust people. You need to be careful. But neither of the boys was put off in the slightest. Saturday the 28th of June, the day before the stabbing, Mark was given his final mission from Janet. He was going to earn £80 million. He was going to be given... It's just so teenage, isn't it? Right, you've got to give someone a blowjob. Now I'm going to give you £80 quid if you can wear your underpants on your head down the street. It's just so ludicrous. Yeah. I'm assuming it's something more severe than wearing his underwear pants down well, the street. Yeah, he. This is why the price tag is going to be big. It was eighty million. He'd get a career in the Secret Service, but, and it's implied that this is his favourite motivator. That when he'd gone through with his mission, he would get to meet Janet and they'd have sex. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like meet me first, bitch. It's very Belinda blinked, isn't it? That. It's somebody's job. As part of our job role, we just fuck people as bonuses. (laughs) So the only problem was, was that the mission meant he would have to kill James Bell. A.K.A. John. So the 29th of June, Mark, and who he thought was James Bell, met John in the morning, and they went to the Trafford Centre in Manchester. Been there. This is where he was told that the murder should take place. So Mark bought a kitchen knife and told John that it was for his mum, but he couldn't go through with it there. So they went back to Altrincham, and it was by even They'd met at like 11am. It was about 7pm. They were still in the town centre in Altrincham, and then they eventually went into the alleyway behind the shops. Mark then took out the knife and stabbed John twice, the, most faith, um, the worst one being in the stomach, saying something along the lines of, 
I love you, bro, as he did it. It just, I mean, it's it doesn't make any sense because he's the one who's the puppet master and he's getting, the target's him. Exactly. It's ludicrous. So 20 minutes later, which is a long time to be there, I assume just panicking, uh, Mark called for an ambulance. Now, Mark had been told that Janet was going to be one of the first people to arrive as an undercover police officer and then she would take him away and you'd have immunity and everything else. But she never showed. No shit. And police at the time obviously saw Mark, got his description of the man and began that avenue. So eventually, as the investigation pressed, the police realised, okay, his story isn't making sense. No one's going to this area. And they showed Mark the CCTV footage, proving that no one else had come in. And Mark confessed that, yes, he'd stabbed him. He had no motive, but they police said that he's clearly distressed by this. It, if it was this cold killing, a planned killing, why is he so traumatised by what's around. happened? So it was a month later, John, after the stabbing, John was still in intensive care. Janet hadn't swooped in. So Mark then told the police why he'd done it, that he was working on behalf of the government. Janet Dobinson told me I should be let go. Yeah. But instead, he was charged with attempted murder. And the police searched his hard drive for details of Janet, who they thought at the time was obviously some sort of paedophile, just someone grooming them and toying with these boys so they found absolutely months of chat logs he tried to delete some but he, they obviously could find backups imagine of the person whose job it was to read through all of those the, um, I, I was thinking the other day what if i found all my old msn conversations the drivel i talked about well I, well i could even tell you exactly what they'd be now first of all it'd be hey you okay yes what you up to nothing you nothing brb i'm going to have i'm going for a wee yeah and i had to tell them i was going for a wee because i would be away from the computer for 40 seconds yeah mine mine was completely a stream of consciousness i think this i want to go and eat this have you ever eaten like it's just inane crap constantly so they soon realized when the police were searching through these chats, that Rachel, the girlfriend, Kevin, the gay stalker, and Janet had all been characters with no basis in real life. There was no trace of them anywhere other than the chat room. And they'd noticed that all three of these characters had one common fault in their conversation, in that they all, at one time or another, had misspelled the word maybe as my-by, M-Y-B-Y-E. They then found one other person who also had the same misspelling, and that was John. So three months after the stabbing, and still in the last stages of recovery, John was arrested. And he confessed that he'd made up everything. He said that Rachel and Kevin were tests to sort of see how much Mark would believe and how far he'd go, and that Janet was his real piece de resistance. He was also the creator and the administrator of the chat group. He'd created that whole world from scratch. He'd not just hijacked a normal chat room. He'd literally made this entire thing from ground zero. We need to get him on promoting this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> He could be all our fans at once. I really like Slaughter, me too. Yeah, it's great. It's thought he created over 190 characters to be in the chat room to make it seem real. And Mark only found all of this out for the first time when he was in court. 
Oh, shit. Can you imagine? You were just... I mean, he what? His, his defence lawyer said, you know, he was absolutely mortified by this. He felt it was real. And then to find... You thought, yes, you've done a horrible thing. He was already traumatised by the fact that he'd done it. But at least he could tell himself, I was doing it for a reason that was bigger than me. But then to find out that you'd done something that terrible and it was all a lie, you would just be absolutely devastated. So... May 2004, the case came to court and both boys pled guilty. Mark to attempted murder and John to inciting his own murder, which actually created a new legal precedent. At least it wasn't some random, innocent person who wasn't even involved that had been... That he'd stabbed. Yeah. Yeah. John admitted that it had all just become an obsession that he couldn't quit. Like, once he'd started this storyline, even though he knew it would end in his death... He just couldn't hold it off. There's also some... There's an article by a writer for Vanity Fair really in-depth about this case that's worth a read. And in there, they go on to discuss that there were several times that John had requested a therapist and wanted to speak to people because he'd said that, you know, he wanted to die. And this was actually something that he was creating because he wanted it to happen. He... Because Mark had spent eight months on remand... Mark was sentenced to two years with a supervision order, which basically meant that he was just unable to use the internet unless he was supervised. He wasn't allowed to use chat rooms at all. And he had a no contact order with John. Those John and Mark are never allowed to meet again, never allowed to speak to each other. John, because he hadn't been remanded at any point, John got a three years supervision order and made a full recovery. So... It's, I think, from what I can find, both boys, you know, did, have done quite well, carried on with their lives, you know, finished school, tried to move past it. And I don't know what you think now about it, but I still think that for Mark especially, he should be allowed to put that in the past. Yeah, I think it's fair enough that we don't know their true names, because why? I think they're both on Tinder, just thinking they're getting into committed relationships now. It's for love, yes. It could happen. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist 
specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So I'm going to tell you the story of David Gonzalez. Now, Gonzalez was born in 1980, so not far off our generation. Age appropriate. Yeah. He was a bedwetter until the age of 12, um, which I know sometimes is a sign, but I swear my brother was the same. Yeah, I know a few kids that I've taken on residentials. and Generally boys, I think. It's, hard. it's a harder thing for boys. Obsessive with computer games. He'd spend days solidly on the computer, which is pretty standard. Yeah. Um, he was also obsessed with violent films. He'd watch them almost daily. I mean, nowadays, that is not a big deal. I mean, I think then it was more infrequent. But now, with kids accessing like Netflix and stuff, they've all seen way worse. They've all seen Human Centipede. back then, you had to make a little bit more effort in that your parents had to have bought those VHS and yeah. have them in the house that you were watching. But the Unless amount- he was one of the real lucky kids who had cable. The amount of 13, 12-year-olds that I teach that have seen Human Centipede is, is not normal. I don't let them talk about it. It's horrible. His favourite film was Friday the 13th. If you haven't seen it, it's about a group of teenagers who are going to reopen a camp. And it's basically like a slasher oh, that film. that sounds lovely. Well, and then they start getting murdered. Oh. That's a slasher film. Um, age 10, he started showing some weird I'm going to do behavior. a remake of Friday the 13th where we just reopen a camp and everything's great. I wouldn't see it. Oh. So, age... What if it's a musical? Yeah, I'd see it. Age 10, he would talk to himself and laugh and he was excluded from school for drawing offensive pictures and putting safety pins on a chair, like, face up, which I've got a friend, I think he listened to the podcast, hey, but he did that to our teacher. And all he did was get his name written in the book and then he cried. He was also obsessed with the character of Freddy Krueger, which is a character from Nightmare on Elm Street, which kills... um, people in their dreams and then they die in real life he has like a burnt face i assume everyone else that listens to the podcast is well aware of these characters lucy's really just explaining this for me yeah. because i have no idea about any scary film because you've never seen scary films i love a scary film so gonzalez was nicknamed zippy which i'm not sure why but I'm, this was the period when, yeah i think it was rainbow it must have been in his teenage years, um, uh, he was repeatedly admitted to hospital. I, I'm assuming they mean sectioned by that, and he was in mental health wards. Right. So he started to get, um, he started to have psychiatric treatment, and he was diagnosed age 19 as being schizophrenic. Right. Uh, when he wasn't in hospital, he lived with his mum in Woking, Surrey, and he wasn't considered high risk, but people were aware of these problems they had so people liked last time that i talked to you a little bit about psychology i'm going to talk to you what schizophrenia is basically to start with so it's a mental illness it has symptoms that are known as positive and negative symptoms that's not like yay symptoms oh no symptoms positive symptoms are in excess of or different 
ways of doing the same thing, whereas negative symptoms are reduction in something. So positive symptom would be hallucinations because it's extra. It's something that you wouldn't normally have. Or disordered thinking or disordered speech because it's the same amount of something but in a different way. Whereas negative symptoms are things like avolition, which is lack of motivation, can't be bothered. Alogia, which is poor speech, so you're mumbling, you're very quiet, or effective flattening where you don't show your emotions. Right. Um, so it's almost I don't think I don't know if it's not feeling the emotions, but it's not showing emotions or reacting to things in a way that other people would. It's often confused with multiple personalities. I think that's less so now, but I think when we were growing up in the eighties, nineties the, the actual reality is usually it's auditory hallucinations where you hear voices in your head. And there's research to show that people with schizophrenia are hearing the voices. The same part of the brain is active as if you're hearing an external voice. Right. So there's a real... Be- so it's incredibly real. Yeah, it's a, there's a real belief that this is not you doing it. Mm-hmm. But... Obviously, it's your own brain. So there are lots of there's lots of ideas about the causes. No one knows the those causes, and they've not pinned it down. But there are lots of theories. So one is that there are neural correlates. So that means that parts of the brain have got correlations with different aspects of the disorder. So, for example, abolition has got correlations with different parts of the brain being less active, and that would maybe explain some of the symptoms individually there's a lot of um, research into genetics and family studies and adoption studies and they show that there is a genetic link so there is something that is being passed on but Uh they can't narrow it down to one gene it's a lot of candidate genes um decreased or increased dopamine has been linked to schizophrenia um schizophrenic mother is a psychological explanation and i always think of ed gein and it's basically a mother who is overbearing over involved but a really strong um part of someone's life but also very critical yeah Yeah. but very critical very sort of quite like there's there's a real love and hate relationship there um double bind theory also suggests that it's maybe children being put in no-win situations. Like, if you do this, you're, there's going to be a negative outcome. But if you do the opposite, it's going to be a negative outcome. And that would maybe create schizophrenia. It's not well It's not well thought of. Um, expressed emotion and family dysfunction is another theory that families who have got a lot of expressed emotion in their household, as in they're always in each other's business, they're always super critical about everything, a very close family in quite a negative way has been linked to schizophrenia. The use of cannabis has been linked to schizophrenia. And also there's new ideas that are like cognitive ideas, which is about your thought processes. And there's this idea that being unable to turn off your reaction to like the automatic thinking that you have. So for example if you have a word and then your mind thinks of association someone with schizophrenia might get stuck on that association and start talking about that rather than what they were originally trying to say so they can't keep on the track that they were on yeah so there's loads of different ideas so he was diagnosed with schizophrenia david gonzalez at 19 so gonzalez told his mother (laughs) that i'm gonna bring this back on track (laughs) so gonzalez told his mother as part of his schizophrenia, that he had thoughts about killing people. But she lost her shit. She was scared. I mean, her child yeah. is saying to her, I, I want to kill people. So 
she was very concerned about her son's mental health and his behavior and she was asking for help from right. the authorities she she was really worried about him and she wrote to her local mp uh, for help and she said she was getting the impression that unless david actually committed a crime into something awful no one was going to help them and no one was getting involved so she actually wrote does my son have to commit murder to get help and that has been cited a lot in terms of with this so story. he wasn't on medication or anything? He was on medication, he's getting treatment, but she was worried that wasn't he enough. He was obviously still, you know, saying stuff, yeah. Yeah. So, due to lack of funding and poor systems, David didn't have consistent staff that were working with him. He wasn't fully engaging with treatment in terms of it was a bit bitty and carers weren't really committed to understanding what his particular needs were and we talk about this a lot in class actually that with schizophrenia i think that there tends to be like an over exaggeration of the symptoms and really not really thinking for this person what are your problems it's like you've got schizophrenia right now you're in that box and this is what we need to do with you whereas really it should be what what are your needs because the whole idea of schizophrenia is almost man-made. It's just these are symptoms that someone's having. But there's similar a... thing with autism in schools, isn't it? In yeah. That you can't just assume like all your autistic children are going to have the same, especially anxiety. Yeah. Um, that links with autism. You need to find that child's things and yeah. you know tap into that. But there's a TED talk that I really recommend about hearing voices by Eleanor Longden. Check it out. It's really good. She talks about her experience of hearing voices and it's brilliant. So, age 24, Gonzalez was unemployed, he was bored, he was taking prescribed drugs and illegal drugs, and he was drinking to excess. And he began to fantasise about becoming famous. Because his life was so boring. Now, instead of fantasising that he was on Love Island, or the 90s equivalent, probably Big Brother, he was fantasising about becoming... Crime Watch! ...a famous serial killer. So... September 11th, 2004, Gonzalez went to a rave in Hackney in London. Nice. He took speed, he took ecstasy and ketamine. So, oh, yeah. a real cocktail of drugs. He's a busy boy. Surprised he could stand up. That was a two-day bender that he had. Um, on Monday, he was seen running naked from his house into the street. So, he's, he's off his tits. Tuesday, he stayed in bed all day. Now, 9am on Wednesday, September the 15th, 2004, Gonzalez took a steak knife from the kitchen, packed a bag, got on a train to Portsmouth. He got off at Hillsea Station in Ports Creek, which is an isolated area where people often go for walks. It was quite northern, north of London, a couple of hours on the train. Here, he approached 61-year-old Peter King and his wife Janice, who were walking their dog. Lovely day out, having mm-hmm. a great time. Gonzalez hit the knife by his leg, walked over to them. When he got near them, he lunged towards Peter King and shouted, I'm going to kill you. Mr. King has said uh, later on, I thought he was going to kill me. Which, well done. Yeah, I mean, there's no subtext there, is there? So, Gonzalez waved the knife at Peter King's face and it was, he was trying to slash him. But Peter King... 61 is pretty fast. He was a fit guy. He dodged it, even though it came dangerously close to his throat. They then fought, they tussled, and fell into the undergrowth. 
until Peter managed to fight off Gonzalez. Peter King's a fucking boss. I know. He is the shit. Gonzalez ran away, loudly shouting, sorry, I'm schizophrenic, I can't help it. Which, I don't know if it's... The problem is, with schizophrenia, is... I don't know if it... By being like, this is a thing that you can't help. I think showing the self-awareness kind of shows that you could have made a choice. Yeah, and I, I think maybe the diagnosis of schizophrenia does resolve people of responsibility a little bit because it's almost like this is how you're behaving and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's the, I guess it's the... Is he having a delusion or not at that point? And it's it's difficult because we talked about the, the Canadian Greyhound bus murder where he literally was convinced of something that wasn't real, whereas it, I don't know if Gonzalez was or not. So, Gonzalez gave up on Portsmouth, so he travelled down to Worthing, which is right on the southern coast. Like He could not get more south. Here he stole a knife, and he got a hockey mask, and he hid in some bushes, which would almost be funny if it wasn't so tragic. Along the track walked a pensioner, 73-year-old Marie Harding. So he's... Gone for an old lady. He's gone for as vulnerable as he can find. She was on her way home. Now, Gonzalez stabbed her in the neck and back, and he left her dying with no attempt to hide the body. She was just out in the open. He stole 20 pounds out of her purse, which kind of suggests this is not a delusion. He's making logical choices for his own sake. Um, And then he returned home. On the train, he wrote a diary of the killing, and he wrote... I will be a serial killer. I mean it. I promise. I got that old bitch proper. Bloodbath pouring out of her throat. Muck flurry. Oh, God. I mean, I don't know... What flavour? I don't know where muck is coming into. Maybe he's eating a muck at the time. Maybe it's that word association you're talking about. Maybe. Throat. Going down your throat. Mmm, muck Maybe. Not a good writer, though. He slept at home that night before setting off to central London the next day. He took a lot of drugs again. He drank alcohol throughout the day. He stole a kitchen knife, and then he got a bus at 4am to Tottenham. So he was just out for the day, roaming around London, taking drugs. Now, Kevin Molloy, a pub landlord, who was originally from Ireland, was walking home. Kevin was 46. He was stabbed in the chest by Gonzalez. Now, later, Gonzalez told police that Kevin had said, as he was stabbing him, what the hell are you doing? Which, fair question. He'd replied, are you stupid? I'm killing you. And then he left. Which is an odd conversation to have during the act. The scary thing is that these people are not linked to him in any way. And it is just... He's on a rampage, It's just random targeting. And they've done nothing wrong. They're just... It's just horrific. Kevin's body was found an hour later. Now, they, now the police had two bodies, but they were miles apart. There was no connection between them. No connection to a, a murderer. So there's no way that they would have tied those two crimes together. No. At that point. It was just a, a spree. But it was so... It's such different places. Yeah. And different times of day. It's just the same murder weapon. Now, 7am, Gonzalez broke into the home of Cumis Constantinou, um, 59, and his wife, Christella, in Hornsey, London. So, he broke into this house. He woke. They woke to the sound of breaking glass. 
and they came downstairs to the site of Gonzalez with one of their kitchen knives. Gonzalez didn't even bring his own this time. No. Gonzalez st- stabbed Kumi in the arm while Cristela hit Gonzalez with a slipper before she ran out of the house screaming for help. Gonzalez ran, um, caught a taxi to Highgate in North London. He had blood on his clothes, um, but was still sold a knife in a local shop. Now, Kumi survived, so he'd, he'd stabbed him in the arm, but he'd obviously freaked out in that this guy was quite young, quite fit, thought this isn't going to be an easy kill, and he'd gone. Mm. So this couple... It was attempted murder, but they were they were okay. Gonzalez bought this kitchen knife in London, covered in blood. I mean, there are a lot of drama students in London that probably do wander around in costume. But it's still... If I was the owner of that shop, I think I would have maybe sold the knife, but then phoned the police. I'm not sure. Mm. It, it's not good. So, Gonzalez went to... A street nearby and he just randomly knocked on doors no one letting him in eventually a random house let him in it had inside 75 year old retired pediatrician Derek robinson and his wife who was 60 and a music teacher gene robinson and they were having their breakfast and they were waiting for a decorator to come round. so they answered the door thinking that was him uh-huh. gonzalez stabbed Derek in the throat and gene in the throat and the heart he did say he felt sorry for her because she looked so terrible, but then also that he felt clean and orgasmic. I mean, a wank in the shower will do that. No need to do a murder. Minutes after the murderer, the the decorator knocked on the door, and Gonzalez is still inside. He's taking off his clothes. He's going to jump in the shower. He saw blood on the walls, and he knew something was wrong. Gonzalez jumped out the window. The decorator called the police. So now they've got a description. Right. They've got a witness. Ramton. And he's on foot, taking public transport. The police tracked down Gonzalez down to Tottenham Court Road tube station, and he was arrested. So it didn't take long. Once they had someone and a witness, they were straight there. Now, Gonzalez cried like a baby during the questioning. He blamed his behaviour on his disorder, on the fact that he had no job, he was bored every day, he had no girlfriend, and his life just revolved around sitting, playing a PlayStation every day. Which is, I tried to tell my students, that is not a good life, but they will not believe me. They think that's the dream. It's not. I'm going to tell them the story. He admitted he deserved to be punished and he said you're gonna have to give me the electric chair and obviously this is the uk done some stabbings in america then yeah and he began to make suicide attempts including trying to bite through his own arm and he some kids that do that really yeah it's part of their anxiety you have to catch them before they do it because i thought there was something there was like a natural way of trying to stop yourself in that you can't physically bite yourself hard enough to cause damage well, he's not actually managed to cause, like, loads of damage to himself. I'm quite good at catching him, because he'll usually give me, like, a warning look. He'll lift his arm up and stare at me, and then I know, right, okay. He'll, he'll make sure that I've seen him before he starts gnashing. I don't think Gonzalez did that. But Gonzalez did do a lot of damage to his arm, and he he nearly made it through the archery. That oh, would gosh, probably... like, he really was. Yeah. That he messed it up. He also even attacked his own mother and his own gran during a visit. 
So this woman who's always championed him and looked after him. At trial, Gonzalez claimed that he'd heard voices telling him to attack his victims. And the, de- the defence lawyers put forward that he should have diminished responsibility and be trialled for manslaughter. However, the prosecution claimed that Gonzalez didn't have schizophrenia at all, but had a personality disorder, and therefore he was to blame. I mean, I get... There's a, there's a lot of... It's all about mental health, this case, isn't it? So mm-hmm. it, 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 is, only, it serves their purpose to say that, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, they're not saying it because they care about the right diagnosis. They're saying that because it'll get the sentence that they want. I mean, The some, prosecution yeah. are saying that. But the problem is, I mean, that something's not right with this guy, but also it's obvious that he was trying not to get caught. He wasn't just doing... Yeah. I mean, he wasn't hiding anything... But also, it's these diary entries saying, I want to be a serial killer, as yeah. in he knows that he is committing murder. He's not in, under some delusion that they are um, ghosts or, I don't know, of the devil or something. He knows that these people are victims of his. So it's it's a tricky one. Now, the jury didn't find it tricky. They took 90 minutes to find him guilty. So they were they were just jobbed yeah. on. The defence team called up a psychiatrist from Broadmoor and he testified that Gonzalo did have schizophrenia. So there's you know, there's someone professional saying I mean I'm so. fine with him being convicted, he just needs yeah. to be uh, you know, you can't just say shit. He needs to be in hospital though, not in prison. Yeah. Because if he goes to prison he's just gonna kill himself. Well, or kill someone else. So Gonzalez was given life uh, six life sentences on the seventeenth of March two thousand and six. Um, and during an independent inquiry of the case, Charity Sane commented, it is an insane system which cannot respond to the warnings of families and others before a tragedy happens. Um, Sane has called for a red alert system whereby the mental health services and the police respond immediately when families report concerns about the safety of a psychiatric patient. And obviously I've had some experience with my mother-in-law in terms of this, and her having a breakdown and attacking family members and trying to get help for that, that is outside of just calling the police. And there just isn't any. But if you want to hear more about that, just listen to my episode of The Peripheral, and you can find out more about that there. Now, Gonzalez was sent to Broadmoor Prison, where he began to make claims that he was Michael Jackson in a former life. Like that episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, but also, they were alive at the same time. You can't be someone in a former Don't life if you're both to alive. Like you, there's no, there's no way to rationalise this. Also, he was not. I would believe that you were Michael Jackson if Michael Jackson was dead. Well, you can't be like, oh, I can't be like, oh, sorry, I'm Emma in a, I was Emma in a past life. You're sitting right here. That doesn't, it doesn't work. I don't know. Can our thetans travel? No. On August 9th, two thousand and seven, to end our tale, Gonzalez cracked open a CD case, used the edges to slash both of his wrists, and he bled to death in his cell. Mm. He just obviously found it too much. I mean, I don't know how sad to be. He's killed two people. I don't know. I think the system failed him. And I think he was dangerous, but the signs were there. And I think it's just sad for everyone, really. Sad for everyone. It's just sad for everyone. It's just shit. Have a nice week, guys. (laughs) 
So please, if you want to write to us, it's slaughterthepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, at Facebook. We've said it every week. You know where to find us now. We're on Instagram as well. Um, Just check us out. If you can, rate, review, subscribe. That really helps us. And if you can't, please just tell a couple of people about the podcast. That would make all the difference. And remember, listening to Slaughter doesn't make you a psycho blackmailing people to send you pictures of their feet definitely does because i'm gonna send you pictures of my feet if you ask nicely tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts good news ad free listening is available on amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the amazon music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.